From Tatooine to Tython, this is the Star Warriors podcast. Season two of The Mandalorian has come and gone, and we are left in the wake of some pretty amazing events in the Star Wars canon. To break down some of the season's madness, I've brought back the galaxy's favorite scruffy-looking nerf herders. So joining me on today's show is, as usual, Colin, Casey, Moses, Jake, Ruben, and Rocco. And today, we have a special guest, Bob Gutzmer, from the Gutsy Media Podcast. And uh, I just want to give him an opportunity to talk a little bit about himself and uh, his show. Go ahead, Bob. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I am Bob Gutzmer. My show is Gutsy Media Podcast, where we talk about movies and just generally geek out on, on cinema in general. Uh, I am a Star Wars fan, so I really appreciate you having me on here to, to discuss The Mandalorian and uh, my show. Glad to have you. Let's get right into it, because we have a lot to talk about. I, For me, this season basically just blew all my expectations out of the water. I, I, I had some ideas of what would happen. I had some asks you know some geekly asks but um it i think fav and feloni and company they went above and beyond uh to really embrace to embrace the star wars uh fandom and i think they did a pretty good job at that so let's let's go through just a little bit here did did the season meet your expectations uh did it did it exceed it uh you can break it down a little bit tell me about uh your your feelings on grogu grogu and also your favorite episode Go ahead, Bob. So, yeah, I mean, I really liked the the season, uh, season two. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot uh, during the show. But uh, season one didn't knock me off my my heels. So season two, I thought, was definitely a step up from that. And um, my favorite episode, personally, was uh, the chapter 12, The Siege, uh, directed by Carl Weathers. Uh, I, I liked the going into the em- Empire and seeing some of their kind of uh, leftover bases, and then obviously the play into the the M count reference, um, and being what I thought was kind of the first reference to Snoke, and, or possibly you know what what becomes or what will become Snoke. Um, so I really enjoyed that and the tie into the movies. Absolutely, I thought, and it really just embraced like even more of of what we wanted to see out of Star Wars from that crazy chase scene, and and it just. For me, that one really felt like the most Star Warsy episode of all. Uh, just harkening back to like the Stormtrooper talk and all that stuff. So, I agree with you there. Go ahead, go ahead, Colin. You know me. I'm I'm the resident naysayer, but I I actually really enjoyed this season. Uh, season one was a great uh, setup to it. Opened up to a new world, new character, and you know, brought in a lot of new fans to Star Wars. Whereas this brought in a lot of fandom into star wars and you know you might see me kind of give some garbage about how there's a lot of fan service in it but i still loved the series as a whole this season because it built upon what we already love and with that in mind episode three um you know uh, uh 11 chapter 11 the heiress was definitely my choice for favorite episode because while, you know, you got you got the the one big one that everyone wants to talk about with, you know, Ahsoka. But it was a fact that we had no clue, no clue that Bo-Katan was going to come in on that until suddenly there she is. She pops down and I just sit there watching through the screen being like, oh, my God, no, that's that's not her. Is that her? Is that her helmet? Is that her? No, it is. She takes off her helmet and no, no way. It is actually Katie Sackhoff in there. And then to <laughs> top it all off for a Bosch fan like me, we get Titus Welliver as 
one of the imps. I, I, it couldn't be any better for me. So I thought that that was an excellent kicking off point, especially after what happened in the previous episode, kind of a snooze. But that that third episode was mwah, chef's kiss to it. Thank you so much, Filoni and Favreau. You guys have done a wonderful job. Yeah, I love how they, they brought her in just to tie every one of their shows together. What a what a great thing. Uh, go ahead, Casey. Yeah, I mean, this it exceeded like by far. I mean, it's just it's uh, I love the first season, but this just kept opening up, kept taking things from the Filoni verse, as it were, which is also really the Lucas verse uh, for the cartoon stuff. So, you know what I mean? Like it, it relied a little bit more heavily on George Lucas, even in this season. Um, as far as like favorite episode goes, I, I could say the Jedi, I could say the rescue, of course, and there's reasons why, but it's going to be the tragedy. And, you know, here's the thing, guys, I'm not a huge Boba Fett fan from the movies because the dude lasts like five seconds and his his dad was about the same, if not worse. Maybe, you know, he had a little bit more speaking lines where the dude got decapitated. So Boba Fett to me has never been like, oh, my God, he's the greatest of all time until you read the EU and you read the comics and blah, 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 blah. But to see him come back in live action form. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, one of my favorite directors of all time, you know, brought him to the screen. And then you watched in the making of just like what it was all about <laughs> and like how he wanted to make him so badass. And and you felt it. That episode is like balls to the wall action. And I don't need that because, you know, there's a lot of other story beats that made me literally weep. You know what I mean? But like that episode to get Boba Fett's quote unquote redemption, uh, that really brought it home for me. Go ahead, Moses. I want to like point out or like kind of follow up on that because this show, what it's done, um, is really like show you how badass the Mandalorians are. Every time there's a Mandalorian on scene, whether that be Bubba for whatever type of Mandalorian he is, you know, because we started season one and and Din was amazing. He was he was definitely like okay, I can see why he's like that. But then you see the armor, and she's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> she's mm-hmm. like that. Then you see Bubba. Then, you know, you see Bo. Every single time there's, like, a Mando on screen, you're just like, damn. And I don't know. Like, they've excelled. The show is called The Mandalorian, and to me it's more than just him. There's all these Mandalorians involved, and they're always, like, I don't know. I, I grew up, you know, with the stories of the, the history of Mandalore against the Jedi, and I always had like this, no matter how many comics I had read of those, just like, how do you mess with the Jedi, a whole army of them? And for the first time watching the show, I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> so what was that? Was that your favorite episode? Um, It was initially, I would say the Bubba was, but I, I recently, like last week, I rewatched the entire season two and I, I'm going to have to stick with the Jedi. Um. I mean, Ahsoka is, is one of my favorite characters. And more importantly, even though she obviously got tied into this story, she was, I mean, it, it united everything. It united Grogu. We got to learn his name. We got to see kind of like that interaction. But uh, it, it definitely felt like nowhere along the way you're like, oh, Ahsoka is going to be part of the team now. No, You know, even with the mention of Thrawn, which added to that episode, and we've had these discussions offline, like, 
I didn't think Thrawn is going to be part of Ma- the Mandalorian. I don't. I don't think Thrawn's going to be part of the. Ma- I think it's going to be part of her show, and so th- that uh, in that essence, Ahsoka was there continuing Rebels, and Rebels is my favorite Star Wars show, and so that's like when I watched it. To me, it was just like, oh, that's the next episode of Rebels to me, and the second time around. And so, yeah, I think that's going to be my favorite for this season. But the whole season was just mind blowing. It's, it's, you know, it's a tough call. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Jake? Uh, Yeah. I loved the entire season, except I thought the passenger was kind of a weak episode in the entire season. Um, I love the name Grogu. Uh, I thought that was nice and I want to know more about him. Like I want to know more of his history, especially since they expanded upon the fact he was in the Jedi temple and escaped order 66. Uh, when it comes to favorite episode, I want to say chapter nine, the Marshall, because it introduced Cobb Vance, uh, brought in the Chuck Windig aftermath stuff and did Dune probably better than Dune will do with the, uh, crate dragon. <laughs> Wow. But I'm going to agree with Casey and it goes to the tragedy mainly because the first even though I saw the original trilogy in theaters when it was re-released the first one I remember was um Return of the Jedi and Boba was not cool in that movie and this episode finally for me made Boba cool and me care about him and be excited about the after credit scene at the end of the series or the end of the season. Uh, the other thing was having the razor crest die at the end after they go through <laughs> episode upon episode of repairing this ship just to have it blown up and only have really like the spear survive. I thought that was just great for, for me seeing that ship blow up. It was kind of like, thank God somebody finally put it out of its misery. <laughs> that ship was so dilapidated. Wow. It was it was held together by shoestrings. Shiny and new. Oh my god! The for going back to the ship, you know, blowing up. I felt like that was the moment where they opened it up to like anything can happen. Like holy wow, anything can happen right now on this show. You know, that was their safe place, their safe haven. How many episodes did they spend like hiding in that thing? And now it's gone. So, like, the safety net of of the show, plus these are characters that we don't know if they live or die. Like, we've talked about this on this show multiple times, how important it is when they're doing these prequels, but we see these characters later. So there's not enough weight. We don't know if they're going to – we know they're going to live. This show takes that away. And with the Razor Crest exploding, I was like, wow, okay. All right, like you know, anything can happen right now. Anything. Exactly. And I'll just I'll bring in the collecting side of things because right before that they had just funded that Razorcrest TVC for like four hundred dollars and everybody bought into it, and then they destroyed it. And not to mention that the Razorcrest was put into the the, um, the Rise of Skywalker, was it not? Which is a weird thing too. I had we'll, we'll debate that later. There's pictures of that, kind of like where the ghost was there and other things. I'll I'll show you something I came huh. across. It's kind That's of a weird thing. It's arguable, but whatever, you know. So um, the Razor Crest was based on the Imperial on the wasn't it based on like the the galactic ship though. From the on, that, yeah, that's a that's a that's a Clone War. That's a Clone yeah, like a Clone War era ship. Gunship. So technically, we could have been seeing that in the Rise. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the. I mean, colors wise, I guess I don't know. I'd have to go double check. 
but no, you're correct. I mean, there's we need plenty a whole of new episode just to debate that. To break down that. <laughs> you're right. Finally, get right. Go ahead, go ahead, Ruben. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, I I love season one, and uh, and I love season two even more. Uh, it's it's kind of hard for me to to pick a a favorite episode. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, uh, the rescue. Uh, the tragedy, I think that we all touched on those, the heiress. Um, I did like the passenger, Jake. Um, I appreciate uh, I appreciate the puppetry work and the CGI and just all the callbacks to like Ralph McQuarrie, you know, designs. That spider scared the, the, the hell out of me. Um, so, you know, and I thought the dynamic of, of Grogu, uh, you know, eating the eggs um, when he's so conscious of life is... Is a very interesting like give and take. You know what I'm saying? Like it shows that he is very aware of himself and the choices that he makes. Um, so, and I thought it was really funny that everybody, you know, lost their minds over it. Uh, yeah, leave it to the uh, internet. Yeah, leave it to the internet. Uh, I mean, overall, uh, I think that um, I think it, it, the siege is the Carl Weathers episode, right? That I touched upon. Um, that episode for me was was pretty awesome because like I, like you said it really felt it, it almost felt like it was a part of Rogue One almost like it, it it had that 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 battle predator like in the jungle Rambo kind of feel um, and and again you know Bill Burr is just brilliant um, you know for all his crap about not liking Star Wars and never watching it you know he's just perfect for that universe uh, and again it shows us that what I love about what I personally love about Star Wars is that Star Wars gives the, uh, the that galaxy gives the ability to everybody within it to redeem themselves. And it's something that we've seen over and over and over again, that that not everybody is all bad and not everybody is all good. But when you want to be good, you can be and you can make those choices. So it's like for me, there's a lot of like hard hitting notes that that, that like Star Wars tells all wrapped up in these like, you know, cool little episodes that, you know, have laser swords and, 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 and you know, fucking laser guns and whatever. But, but yeah, I, I love the season. I thought it went beyond expectations and, uh, and I'm sure we'll discuss the finale soon. Go ahead, Bob. Uh, well, one thing that we didn't touch on when it comes to the, the siege episode is it introduced one of the best Star Wars characters of all time, Guy in Jeans. So that was cool. Yeah. That's right. I can't wait for that action figure. <laughs> Rock pre-order, pre-order. Rocco, take us take us home with this one. Um, did did season two meet my expectations? Uh, I mean, honestly, watching the season as a whole, I feel like Filoni and Favreau are on our show here, like Star Warrior. It felt like we made season two. That's what I love about them is you know that they're fans. They love Star Wars. Like, they're not just making a Star Wars show. They're dudes who love Star Wars making a Star Wars show. And have that background to just pull the most ridiculous, like, background things, you know, in. Like, the the pearl at the end of the Marshall, like, from the Crate Dragon. Like, that was a video game reference to an old Star Wars video game. Like, I didn't know that. I looked that up, and I love Star Wars. I still had to, like, look that up and try and understand that. It's, like, the referencing is in- was incredible this whole season. Um, favorite episode? I mean, you all know I was going to say uh, The Jedi. I mean, 
not only was Ahsoka, who is arguably one of my favorite characters next to Darth Vader, um, was she brought to life, but the way they did it was so well done. And the detail that went into it was wild. And, I mean, simple things like when uh, Din just meets her and they start fighting each other and he wraps her with his cable, she looks up at the tree, smirks, that Ahsoka smirk from Clone Wars, and flips over the tree like she was happy that she knew she was going to beat him up. Like she was just like, this is exciting. And I, I loved, loved, loved that. Um, but also, I feel like with the crossover of animation, it, it gives so much more credence to Clone Wars and Rebels. It makes those shows so much more weighted with that crossover. Um, and I, I just spoke to someone who didn't know anything about Star Wars who watched that episode. is like, I love Ahsoka. I think she's awesome. I want to know more about her. And I was like, oh, she's part of the cartoon show. She's got like 100 episodes or whatever. Oh, my God. And now this person is interested in, in checking out the cartoon. So I think that in itself, you know, bringing in fans like that, I, I think that I think that's something that's amazing. And I, I really love that episode for many reasons. But I would say that's that's my biggest, biggest reason. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. You know what? And I'll, I'm going to mention that as well, just because it's a really good point about uh, Rebels and Clone Wars, where where there's these Star Wars fans who are like, we just watch movies. We don't we don't go outside that stable, whatever. That's fine. Um, but don't argue with people when when they're telling you that it would be beneficial for your fandom, because if they're touching on stories that that really define what Star Wars is for, you know, for hardcore Star Wars people, it's like, why would you fight that? And I just I just encourage more and more people to watch those cartoons, especially now. I mean, it's like there's no argument against it. If you love the Mandalorian, you want to know more. That's where you start. You know, it's it's there's just so much so much there. Go ahead, uh, Moses. Oh, um, to that point, um, and I had this conversation with my cousin who's a huge Star Wars fan, but he's only he hasn't watched the animated shows. And what he loved about it was that, and this is credit to the writing of, of, you know, the season is you don't need to watch those. He was able to watch it and enjoyed it. And he loved Ahsoka. He loved Bo. He loved all that. And yeah, he did said the same thing. You know, he knew Ahsoka was from the cartoons, but he'd never watched. He's like, I got to go back and watch the cartoons, man. She's awesome. But he also loved that it wasn't dependent on that. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a thin line where you're writing something to connect with something else but you, if you're making it too dependent on it, then you're kind of like pulling it away from what is it, what it is as its own thing. And so it's like, you know, you don't need to watch Clone Wars uh, to watch Clone Wars to see Rebels. But you do need to see season three of Rebels to, you know, see season four of Rebels. So Mando isn't the next season. It's its own thing. It's able to use Bo and use... Bubba from the movies and use all these characters so like intricate and so well written still like sticking to all that depth and all those Easter eggs. But at the same time, you're like, you don't have to have seen that. Of course it's done such a way where you're just like, now I want to see that, but it's not dependent on those. And and like, I, I remember having this conversation over new year's with my cousin and it was like a credit to the show. They did a good job kind of that thin line or whatever. I agree with that. So let's let's talk a little bit uh, 
about you know Din and his growth over the season. Uh, we we knew that he had been adopted by the Death Watch. He had adopted their their beliefs. He went into this season still believing that you should never remove your helmet. Well, that changed, you know, over the season that his priorities became Rogu and 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 that was his that was his, you know, his motivation and and his mission. Uh and so let's talk a little bit about, you know, letting go of the past um and meeting these other Mandos and what it means to be a Mandalorian. Uh we don't have to go too crazy with this. If you wanna, you know, I'm gonna start with uh I'll start with Colin. And if we want to just kind of with off what we each other say, uh, let's let's build it like that a little bit. Well, when you talk about growth for for Din Djarin, that leads me back to another big reason why the heiress was my favorite episode of the entire season, because that one's the one that starts him down the path of doubting his whole background. He meets other Mandalorians for the first time, um, like true Mandalorians. We you know, we meet. We meet, I uh, uh, can't think of the marshal in the, the first episode, but uh, we meet him and he's wearing Mandalorian armor, but he's not a Mando. But then he meets Bo, uh, Bo and all of her clan and she fi- he finds out that he's part of this group, the Watch, that's been sort of a zealotous group about the whole religion and it's just mind-blowing to him that he's doing this and then it's you just start to see that world cave around him especially as his relationship with Grogu grows especially when he learns Grogu's name Uh, literally the next episode after he learns Grogu's name it starts with him just saying his name over and over and I thought that that was such an awesome opening scene for that episode by the way but it the 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 fact that we were seeing him more and more not only as a you know a face but also as a more human character we see him come out of his literal you know uh shell and opening up to us as a character and opening up to grogu i i loved that progression i i want to see more of it especially with how they left it but uh, yeah, I, I thought they did an excellent job making this character more than just sort of like here's a badass from the the space west. Go ahead, Bob. I'm fully prepared to take the ambush of rotten fruit that's about to get thrown at me. When when it comes to Star Wars, I am a Star Wars fan in the same sense that I would say I'm a Lord of the Rings fan or um, you know Game of Thrones fan. I, I love fantasy. I love anything fantasy. I, I soak it up. I wouldn't stand here and say that I know every aspect of the lore or that I've read every publication or watched every holiday special, Um, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy Star Wars. I hated Din's growth in this season. I hated it. And and the reason for that is because I am a a huge stickler. Anybody that's listened to my show knows I'm a huge stickler that when it comes to, you know, TV shows or movies, establishing rules – and then immediately breaking them, it drives me nuts. I like having established rules, and I like watching the filmmakers navigate these rules that they've established to come up with something that's you know outside my expectation. So I understand that their intent was to have this character grow and remove his helmet because he's bonded with Groku, and that's that's fine with me. I have no issue with that. My issue is the steepness to which it happened. He went from you know being raised in this you know, serious, just stronghold of a religious sect to in the matter of two or three episodes, he's popping his helmet on and off like it's no big deal. And it's just I I would have liked to have seen that been more gradual 
or had it been more of a punctuational point that that made him change versus just finding out the get the you know little kid's name and suddenly you know I can I can take this off whenever I want. So that that was my issue with that. So basically what I was going to say off of that was just uh you know it, it also goes back to what Star Wars is, right? Like the moment that you make that 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 choice, right? Vader you know, he contemplated it for a long time, but it took him seeing his son dying for him to throw him off, you know, a platform, to throw, you know, uh, a Sidious off the platform. So it's one of those things where uh, even now, like going back to the comics, reading Vader's comics, seeing the, the road that he has had to take to the moment that we get to in Return of the Jedi. Um, again, it, it's those little moments where you don't know when you're going to make the choice or how you're going to make the choice, but you have to make the choice. And he had to make that choice. He needed to, we needed to see his face in that first episode in the siege out of necessity. And then in the last episode where he takes it off in front of everybody, where I feel like that's, that's the poignant one, right? That's where it means the most because that's his choice. That's not like, I got to get this information, blah, blah. No, like I need to connect with this guy one last time. Um, and I thought that there was a cool, uh, I think the word is like a dichotomy, you know what I'm saying? Like between Vader removing his mask and seeing Luke for the first time and then Grogu seeing Din for the first time, you know, and, the, and like the whole touching of the face and all these things. Like there was a lot of like the circle, right? Like the the, the line of Star Wars. So again, I, as much as uh, you may have not agreed with the, 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 the character development because you do love those rules and those steadfast, steadfast things, I do think that <clears throat> Star Wars is continuously breaking its own rules on purpose. They set them to break them because it's a, it's a story mechanism for them. So I think, I think that that's done on purpose. But again, uh, he's just a great character, I think, all in all. Like between The Mandalorian and Grogu, you could probably not bring any of these people in and still have a great show. Go ahead, Rocco. I look at it with the, with the helmet removal as almost a symbolism of the whole like fatherhood. Like, at this point, what was important to me is no longer that important because I have to take care of this thing or it's probably going to (laughs) die, which is, like, at least in my mind, what what every dad is thinking. I, I, you know, when my kids came, I had to make a couple changes real quick. You know, all he had to do was take a helmet off. (laughs) But but in essence, it's what's more important, this person's life or what's important to me. And what I thought was so important isn't as important anymore because I've made a connection with this being that just can't take care of itself. And if it isn't for me, it's probably going to get really badly hurt. Um, So I guess I just kind of saw it as that, as that being his growth of, you know, and not only that, but what was he very, a very solitude bounty hunter? You know, he, he was, he was by himself. He didn't say much in the beginning, um, you know, to kind of, have that change and have someone now that he has to take care of, you know, I, I think removing the helmet kind of solidified that he did actually make that change. Um, less like, I think Ruben, like you said, when he took it off for information, right? He, he, he took it off cause he needed something, but it still was to save the kid, but it was still cause he needed something. That last moment really, like you said, Ruben really solidified that, that he was making the choice to maybe broaden himself outside of this little solitary world he's created. Go ahead, Jake. So, Bob, first of all, you must be such a stickler as a DM for alignments. 
that like <laughs> anything outside of your alignment, you're immediately like killed off. Uh, no, I, I disagree with you though, Bob. I, I think it wasn't taking off the helmet willy nilly. It was a change in his belief system. But I think part of the problem was the two episodes that he takes his mask off are back to back. There's no space between there where he reestablishes that like, yeah, I did this for Grogu, but now this is my creed. Um, I think the other part of growth that really got to me was the fact he knows nothing about Mandalore for being a Mandalorian. He is absolutely clueless about this culture he's part of. And then the final thing I love this season was also in the the Believer when he's in the Stormtrooper armor and trying to fight like he's in his regular armor and just gets wrecked because it keeps breaking on him. Go ahead, Moses. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw growth too, and it's funny because like there's like pinpoints of whatever each one of you guys mentioned, and it's funny because Bob, I'm the same way, especially with movies and rules. But it was weird because the entire season one bothered me because. I guess this is the reverse. Having watched uh, Clone Wars and Mandalore, they take their helmets off. And this was actually a conversation we've had before. I'm like, what's this rule? Where did it come from? We kept on asking each other this. So to finally see Bo-Katan and then see that and then them explain it, like it just explained everything, right? It was just giving us the book of like, oh, now it makes sense. And so like, to me, that's when the rules made sense. And I also it also puts some importance to the whole like oh I've been part of this cult this entire time and these are true Mandalorians who are literally fighting to get their planet back and that's not their rule um, and it's one of my it, it also um, it, it puts a lot of importance to uh, damn it what was the second to last episode the one with uh was the where they where they go to get the believer. The, intro, the believer, yeah. It puts a lot of importance to that episode because he has that conversation and you see like this whole character where he's, you know, he used to be an ex-empire, right? And you see that change, which goes to what Ruben was saying. Like it's all about that change. And and I think, I mean, obviously he did it because yeah, he had to he, he was doing it for info to save someone, but he, that in that episode, they're talking about decisions. They're talking about, yeah, you follow this rule until you can't follow this rule anymore. And he says something like that. He's just like, what, you know, you got to draw that line. It's like, what part, what, you know, what's more important to you? So it puts importance to that character, puts importance to the episode. Um, you know, and I just, I love how like it makes it extra important because that reference um, Operation Cinder was from the Battlefront game, which is basically the Emperor burning everybody. And so, you know, you, you saw like the things that made people change and, and right there, you know, I think that episode was putting everything in honestly, like I, I didn't think he was going to put the helmet back on after that episode at the end, he's like, put it back on, you know, I, you know, I won't say anything. Right. And he does, but I thought right there was the line for him was just like, this is, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And clearly this isn't a strict Mandalorian rule, like, what's the point kind of thing. So obviously he's still following it. It's almost like a habit. But, it, you know, it was just like, it made that episode very important to me. Colin or Casey, any uh, insight into this? No, because uh, <laughs> this next one, you guys want to talk about rules and and kind of confusing things from the past. Let's get into it because we talked a little bit about Bo-Katan 
uh, I love Kitty Sackoff. I've loved, you know, since Battlestar Galactica, especially. Uh, but her taking on this live action role was was one of the one of the best things for me this season. But let's talk a little bit about this dark saber and her whole narrative with Moff Gideon and and how you get the dark saber because there's a lot of questions about the end of the episode and how Din has it. He can't just give it to her, but yet in the cartoon, Sabine gives it to her and she takes it. And we don't know what the fallout of that really was. I'm sure that they can come up with something along the way of, of how she can actually claim this dark saber. But let's, let's talk a little bit about that because that, that was kind of strange to me. Uh, And, Go ahead, Casey. Why don't you kick it off? I knew we were going to talk about this question. So unfortunately, when you run a news site that like constantly is bombarded with spoilers, I knew Bo Katan was coming this season and I knew Katie Sackhoff was playing her. So I was already like, I was just waiting to see her. Like, but as soon as I saw that armor, I was like, well, there she is. So it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like it would have been way more cool and impactful. Like, the last episode was where I, we all had zero idea that that person was popping up. But um, anyway, yeah, the dark saber rule is the stupidest thing I thought of this season. I was just like, just smack him and take the saber, and we're done, right? Like you, you bested him. <laughs> like if it really needs to be a physical altercation, then just tap him and and take it. So. Uh, it, I don't know. I don't know what that means, especially with, you know, when you reference uh, Rebels and maybe there's some sort of Mandalorian. Well, no, because they're both Mandalorian. I don't know. I don't know what the hell that means. I don't get it. And it, it's kind of weird. And I'm sure they'll have a, a good explanation for it. But as it stands, I thought it was kind of stupid. Ruben. I mean, it's obviously going to serve a purpose, right? I mean, it's it's part of the larger story there. Um you know, Din is obviously an orphan with no with no real ties to Mandalore, um, other than Death Watch. Um, but you know, what does it say? You know about the kind of like the sword in the stone theory, right? Like maybe maybe Din is the person. Maybe it takes a non-Mandalore to lead Mandalore out of the darkness. You know what I'm saying? Somebody who has embraced their culture and their way of life, but isn't wrapped up in all of their politics and and all of the all of the stuff that came a lot that comes along with it. Um, and again, it gives the character a life outside of Grogu, right? Because for right now, all we know is Luke is taking him and we know that there's more story to tell, right? So there's gotta be more to that. Um, obviously there's, there, there's some sort of rule that we missed when it comes to the dark saber, even though we watch Clone Wars, we watch Rebels, there, there's gotta be something there that we that maybe we're not picking up on, but but yes, we all know Sabine gave it to her. But how did she lose it? You know, was it a, was there some sort of rule that she emplaced upon it once she started? You know, once she took hold of it, like if you're gonna take this from me, you gotta come challenge me. And Moff came and and took it from her, bested her in combat. Who knows? But yeah, I, it was kind of silly because we all have this history with it. <clears throat> but for newcomers that's just the rule for them for that for that for that weapon Rocco before you start I just want to bring something up was the rule not present during the Clone Wars it was it was right that's so that's how Darth Vader got it I mean uh Maul right because he beat yeah, uh that's what's his name, right so that's that's kind of my thing is right he, he beat the pre and that was just like 
that was the thing that kind of set everybody off is like you did it here, you didn't do it here, but you're doing it here. So right. that's my big question. But, go, go ahead, Rocco. But the big thing was, if you remember what Moff Gideon said, and this is kind of just thinking on this, he said, it's not the saber, it's the story. And when Sabine handed that to Bo-Katan, didn't they just fight side by side to repel, um, you know, to, to, you know, what were, yeah, they were, it was, they were repelling the Empire. The Empire well, was, was on Mandalore. It was more so, than that, too, or because, another, like, or I actually another. watched that scene, and um, when, like, they're just talking in the shit, just them two, and she's like, you have to have this, and she's like, I yeah. can't take this. And she's like, no, it belongs to you. I'm not the only person who thinks it, who thinks it every single clan does. And then it cuts to them walking out and all of the clans are there. All of them, all Mandalore clans are there. So maybe that in itself was the exception that, that in itself was just like, okay, this isn't just like, I got it from this person when there was only two, three, you know, this is like the entire Mandalore population at that point or at least the clan leaders you know saying yes this is the way kind of thing and exactly so the point is moff gideon is the witness there when sabine and bo katan were talking there were no witnesses they just everyone believes you should have this we just kick some butt together just take it just like you said but moff gideon was there and you know that that son of a gun is gonna you know it's about the story and he's not going to tell it right. And that's that therein is the problem. Oh, she just handed it to him or, or he just handed it to her. And it was really there was no battle and she's weak and doesn't deserve it. Whereas Sabine and Bo-Katan were private, having a private conversation. There was no audience. And what sucked about that is that Moff Gideon was their audience. And he doesn't have a track record of being a nice person. How did Sabine get it? I forget. She, finds she got it, it from she... Maul's... Yeah, cavern. Mall's cave. Yeah. Yeah, but did she fight someone when she no, when she gets no, it? She just, it right? No, she just takes it. She just so takes technically it. she never like owned it either. Maybe like there you go. It, Sabine, Boom. see, we're we're trying to find what the exception is here when Sabine having it was the exception. I think this yep. could be a whole episode, right. Colin. <laughs> yes, go ahead, Colin. <laughs> so I, I just want to say I'm really anxious for Harry Potter to pop into this because he uh, will want to come back for the Elder Wand since this is clearly what this is. Um, it's, it's a complete and utter ripoff of the Elder Wand, but that's just me. Uh, but to the point <laughs> of what you were making before, Ruben, um, or uh, sorry, Moses, uh, you were it. She never t- actually wins it, and if that's the case, there's something I've been seeing floating around that technically it should belong to Obi-Wan Kenobi right now because Maul was never bested in combat um, in the proper rules except by Obi-Wan. He was killed by Obi-Wan. He wasn't beaten by uh, – he wasn't beaten mortally by Ahsoka. So she doesn't own it, and nobody else beat it. Obi-Wan did, so it belongs to Obi-Wan. Well, actually, it belongs to Luke because Obi-Wan died by Vader at this point. Yeah. And <laughs> Emperor killed... I mean, how does it go there? <laughs> go ahead, Bob. <laughs> so, as I've mentioned before, I, I, I'm not uh, heavy into all the external um, uh, information. So, I, I've watched probably about a dozen episodes of Rebels 
um, or Clone Wars, uh, some variation of, of the two. Bo-Katan, she seems, from what I saw of her in this show, like she's kind of shady. I'm not sure I trust her. She doesn't seem that badass or that scary. Um, what am I? What am I missing about her? What? What is? Is she really all that awesome? She is. She Who invited you? Part of the death. <laughs> but that's all I'm gonna add. <laughs> I just. I mean, I guess I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised because I'm, I'm watching the show and and um, Din seems like such a powerful warrior that has a very steadfast mentality. Um, he keeps to himself. He he spends his spare time polishing his armor, like ready for battle. Whereas she kind of shows up like, yeah, what's up? How's it going? Let's go do this. You know, I mean, she, just, she doesn't project the same aura that I've seen with the other Mandalorians. I mean, granted, they were the, the you know, hyper-religious sect that was probably super crazy. But still, I mean, if she's the leader of all Mandalore, is she more, you know, badass in the show? Is she somebody that really, you know, commands that sort of, uh, you know, leadership? Her sister was, uh, her sister was, was, was the chancellor Duchess. or the princess, uh, or the duchess, duchess. Of, uh, of, of Mandalore. So the, the, the bloodline is what makes her worthy. Right. But I mean, I don't know, man. I, I didn't hear her say, Hey, what's up guys. When she dropped in on that boat, all I saw her, uh, uh, <laughs> All I saw was back lifts and, and spin kicks and a bunch of blaster fires, you know. So, again, it, it's one of those things where it's just like it's funny how people view characters outside of like like when you're not watching them, you know, he was like you must be listening to all of us f- trying to figure out the dark saber. Like, listen to these guys like these guys. are. No, 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 not at all. But, that, but well, that's the thing is that a lot of the a lot of the fantasy stuff that I'm into, including Star Wars, is that's what draws me in is I love the lore and the long right. history. I mean, that's why D&D is so awesome to me is that that long lineage. Well, then I, I would say definitely go back, you know, and, and, and step outside those 12, 16 episodes and like really dive in from the beginning because there's so much there. It's not even it's a disservice to just call it great. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 Filoni really did work on Star Wars through the Clone Wars series and Rebels. Like he, gave, he you know, there was a lot of plastic surgery there. You know what I'm saying? And it came out and there was and there's a lot of beauty that came out of it. So again, I think, you know, for lore wise, you, you go back and you have an appreciation. Just like you go back if you've never seen Ahsoka. And then you go back and you watch the Clone Wars movie and then the Clone Wars series and you figure out that that's not Ahsoka, that's Snips. And like, that's what, you know, like I refer to her as that because that is my girl. You know what I'm saying? Because I grew up or she grew up in front of me. You know what I'm saying? And I grew up watching that that show and loving those characters. So, again, it's just one of those things. It's interpretation uh, from a certain point of view, so to speak. All right, Jake, go ahead and then we're going to move on to the next question. So, Bob, stay on after the pod, and we'll do a history of Mandalore lesson. Um, <laughs> My man Jake and Colin, the, so the Mandalore I, guys. I, I will say this. I thought it was a little silly uh, as a plot point in the season, but as we've talked, I've kind of advanced on that. First of all, I think it was really just a plot point to set up what Din's going to be doing in Season 3, because I don't know if Grogu's yeah. really going to be around. But now that I'm thinking about it, the Darksaber is a lightsaber. It's got a kyber crystal in it, which they've kind of established as semi-living in the fact that you can hurt it, make it bleed, turn it red, and things like that. With semi-living, 
who's to say that that kyber crystal doesn't have some sort of consciousness and coming from a warrior culture will literally reject a leader who did not properly win it that led to Bo's downfall in the time between these. Now, why it accepted Sabine? That's a good question, because she didn't win it either. And to the point that only Obi-Wan killed Maul, Din didn't technically kill uh, Moff Gideon, so I don't think you need to kill him. You just need to best them in combat. So the Darksaber might belong to Ahsoka right now. All very good points. And it definitely is uh, leaning towards an episode of its own, especially if we get this next season, because it's I feel like they're going to definitely go into this, write some more lore, and we will we will have some pretty uh, straightforward answers from Filoni and, and Fav and crew. So I don't think we have much to worry about. Um, so let's, let's talk about Ahsoka uh rosario dawson was rumored to play the character for a very long time uh they would not you know commit to it it was you know they were trying to keep the same level of secret in a way that they did with you know grogu in season one where they basically gave up merchandising prior to the show to give us that amazing like amazing character without any kind of spoilers so as much as you know they wanted to deny that she was in the role we we knew it was coming uh, so did Rosario do it for you? I know we've kind of talked about it a little bit, um, thoughts on that episode and her show is coming. So how much, how much are you looking forward to that? Uh, let's start with Moses. Well, considering I did say that was my favorite episode, then yeah, she did do it for me. Uh, I, I always loved her as an actress. And so I was like super excited when the rumors were, you know, coming out about that and really hoping they were true. Um, yeah, there was a lot of like, complaining about the montrails and the look but i know we've discussed before i think you know different just like the comic books different artists will have different iterations of, of, of a character i think this is the live action version and it was beautiful i loved it she had a, a unique way of speaking which was similar to the the cartoon ahsoka um not exactly like that but again it wasn't a rosario dawson speaking it was like i, I was seeing ahsoka on the way she talked um that she used those you know that was some of the best lightsaber action like the whole episode with her was just amazing the way she was hiding in the mist two white blades coming up taking someone down going down to that very western slap you know both eastern and western kind of samurai cowboy showdown with both of them i mean to me the mention of thrawn was just it for Ahsoka and I don't I don't care about Mando 3 I don't care about any of this stuff that was I just want Ahsoka like it's her because it's going to be with Sabine and it's going to be with Ezra and we're going to see a whole new and I'm all about detaching from the story from this story you know um, we were discussing uh, earlier that how all these characters can be in danger by the end of whatever season did have they said how many seasons Mando's going to be or not really but, Quality over quantity is what we've yeah, heard. Hopefully. So, but we can, we can lose every single one of these because technically none of them are in the movies. So we don't know. And, and that, that puts an importance. Yeah. When, when we saw the razor crest blow up, like Rocco said, it, it just like, it, it's just like anything can happen. Anybody can die right here. This is it. And so this, you know, this applies to Ahsoka. We don't know what's going on later and her just, you know, 
her, this was her introduction. This is her prologue to her own story. And, you know, I just, again, Rebels was one of my favorite. And so I'm just super excited. Just bringing her into live action just kind of opens up so much. And, you know, they can tell a story because, you know, last time we know Ezra and Thrawn are outside the outskirts. You know, they're farther off. Who knows where they disappear to? So I kind of like that idea that they can go off and you can, even that story can technically be its own thing where we don't know what happens and it, how it connects to everything. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of galaxies out there. I'm surprised we're always talking about all these planets in one galaxy, you know? And so like, I'd, I'd like to see the story one day, maybe go to a different galaxy. And I don't know if I remember this correctly, but in Fallen Order, the video game, were those cre- were the alien race from a different galaxy in that one? Or they were just an ancient race that doesn't exist anymore? They weren't from a different galaxy. They were from the galaxy proper. But it seemed like they traveled outside of the galaxy, the ones that survived when their culture collapsed. See, That's so what I got. So much, like right outside of that. that. I mean, and even when you go to what's now considered legends... Um, uh, I didn't really read those books, so I'm not into it. But wasn't that race that came with the, all the living stuff from outside the galaxy? The the you, the Yuuzhan Vong. Yeah. Yes, yeah. correct. So like this is starting like when Thrawn disappeared at the end of Ezra at, with Ezra at the end of Rebels. Like that's the, my first thought was like, oh, we're going out. We're going. I mean, who knows where they could have been somewhere else in the in the existing galaxy? But Ahsoka represents that to me, and I just can't wait to go along for that ride. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Jake brings up a good point, especially with what they're doing with the Thrawn books. And, you know, I'm just going to, I'll let you go, Jake, on this as well, because I know you're impassioned about it. But the fact that um, in Legends, Thrawn was known for holding back that Yuuzhan Vong uh, from from coming into um, his part of the galaxy and probably invading the rest of the galaxy prior to what happened in the New Jedi Order. But we don't know what happened yet. And the rest, like, I haven't read that book, so I don't I don't know what happens, but... I'm looking forward to seeing maybe something like that happening along those lines. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jake. So real quick on Thrawn there. Uh, it does mention in the books, the reason he came to the empire and this is new canon is because there's something scarier out there in space. And he was trying to see if the empire could be an ally against what's out there. Wait, new canon, new books. That's new canon. Oh. That's new canon. Um, I really liked Ahsoka. I'm super excited for, what they're going to do with her and her TV show. Um, I mean, that first scene where like it's dark and misty and it's just her lightsabers and then they disappear. That was just such a good scene and that fight and especially seeing, uh, you know, her taking lightsabers against Beskar and the challenge. And then that question, that episode was just amazing. I really, I'm hoping that her, show isn't like multi-season that it's a you know contained story maybe two seasons if need be but i'm excited to see what happens there absolutely i'm always for one that when a character could make me feel like jason Voorhees is popping up behind me uh and that just is like whoa hey that's i love that kind of stuff and when they did that with her in in that in that in that town was really amazing um any other insight into ahsoka from you guys rocco I can't wait for the show. That's really completely what I'm waiting for um, is that. And what I think Ruben said earlier, we watched her grow up. And the one definite we have that is canon is that Ray heard all those voices of past Jedi. 
and uh, Ahsoka was one of those voices, that means she definitely, you know, we can confirm she she died. Um, but how? And I really want, I really want to watch her grow up all the way through how she fell. If she fell, maybe she died of old age. I don't really know. Um, but I would just love to see her life cycle, her complete, her complete life cycle, and and what she does because. I think she does probably, I would assume, a lot of good for the galaxy up until the First Order, you know, did, you know, the maker knows what. Uh, so that's something I would really like. To, I mean, as morbid as that sounds, <laughs> I really want to know her whole story uh, just watching her grow up, you know. I think it's a really good way to put it in perspective. Uh, let Filoni introduce the character and also send off the character in a proper way uh, in in probably what we're going to see, you know, in the live action. So yeah, Colin, I'm more intrigued from an acting perspective because, you know, obviously we all got, um, Eckstein, Ashley Eckstein's, uh, performance. We all, like you said, Ruben, we grew up with it. So we beloved, we love it. Even if you listen to the audiobook, it's Ashley Eckstein narrating the whole thing. And she's, She's spectacular. She's iconic to the character. So to see Ahsoka on screen and then you have Rosario Dawson's voice come out was a little jarring for me. I, I We all knew it was coming. We all knew. But it, to me, it was jarring. But that episode, she had the, she did a great job with the tweaks and and quirks of of Ahsoka as we knew her. And added a little bit of a maturity to it that we knew was going to be needed for this character. How many years after the fall of the, you know, the the Empire, the thing. So I I like that a lot, and I really want to see the show specifically to see what Rosario Dawson does with the character. How does she make her still Ahsoka as we know it, but also rosario's version of it so that's why i really personally just want to dive into that just to see how like you said so many artists will draw characters differently so many actors will play characters differently and i really want to see her her production of it yeah i want to touch on that because you know i have a good friend of mine who's a huge huge ahsoka fan and you know doesn't necessarily love rosario's take on it um and has certain qualms about you know the anger that she was showing um, the, 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 just the, the care that she, you know, just with the ease that she was taking life, um, you know, in that, in that beginning scene that, yeah, visually it looks cool. Um, but, but again, one of those things where people just interpret it in a different way. And I'm with you on, on the, on the voice, Colin, because again, Ashley Eckstein is just, she is Ahsoka. So it was, it was one of those things that I knew was going to immediately throw me off about the character. Um, I wasn't so much concerned about the look. I, I thought, you know, visually they, they nailed her. And um, as far as her show and, and the name drop of Thrawn, I think, you know, and, and us seeing what that finale did, right, with, with, with CGI and the ability to do that, you know, yeah, we've got new Thrawn canon, but we see this show constantly going back, um, <laughs> going back to Legends, right and and drawing in from legends so what if the ahsoka show with ezra uh with sabine with quite possibly a young luke skywalker like what does that what does that do for like the original thrawn trilogy can we see the original thrawn trilogy 
kind of be played out through the Ahsoka show with certain, with, with certain you know, because again, we do have uh, a clone Jedi in that in that Ahsoka in that in that trilogy in that Thrawn trilogy, you know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of points that I think they can go back to and reference to and reference from and uh, and play off of. You know, I think every Star Wars fan wants to see Luke and Ahsoka meet, right? At least one time. So what a great way to bring them together to bring down a massive villain like Thrawn. You bring up a lot of good points. I do want to kind of just say, I don't understand when people um, don't see Ahsoka in the character because you see how sad she is, but she still has like that, that optimism of Ahsoka. Like she does both things very well, but then she's talking about how many are lost and you see it in her. And I, I, that interpretation of that, it should be like the old Ahsoka. That's not, I don't feel like that's really true because she has suffered a lot through Clone Wars and then Rebels and then, you know, whatever else happens between then and her appearance on the Mandalorian. So as she watch, watches more and more Jedi die or whatever. But, um, you know, I'm all up for people's interpretations, but I thought Rosario delivered that very well. Um, go ahead, Moses. And there's a huge turning point that the very end of Rebels, which was the last we saw her there, was basically finding out and confirming that her old master turned to that and that she couldn't stop him. I mean, this goes back to the other conversations where we see part of what, you know, it almost justifies a little to what happens to Luke by the time we get to The Last Jedi, you know what I mean? Like, she, she doesn't want to train. She sees that. So I, I think that end of Rebels is a turning point for the character, you know, like, cause the, that was the, you know, she, it wasn't confirmed until that point where, and so that changes and she lost, she couldn't save him, you know, and you know, who knows what kind of dark path she might've gone after that between there and, you know, Mandalorian, Mandalor, Mandalorian itself as well. Like it's, that was, that could have changed anything with her. Exactly. And we're all looking forward to more Ahsoka. Uh, But this is a good time. We're going to jump into some commercials, and then we'll be right back with more Star Warriors. What you don't realize is that it ain't easy. It is hard goddamn work making something this good there. Looks like a geek. So I must be doing it for a reason. It's you. It's always been you. And it's worth fighting. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given. Join me. Gutsy Media Podcast. Because movies are our life. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. All right, we are back after those commercials with more Star Warriors, and uh, we're talking about The Mandalorian Season 2. So let's let's get into one of the major uh, comebacks of the OT and really opening up the lore uh, for Boba Fett and his father, Jango Fett. So um, not only did we get Boba Fett, but we got Tamara Morrison reprising his role. And what a better fit. Um, it just, 
it that really did it for me. Uh, it for me, Boba Fett is one of, probably one of my favorite characters, uh, and just to see, like Casey mentioned earlier, uh, just to see him in his full uh, badass glory, uh, really, really really sold me on uh what what they were doing this season so um do you believe that this is better than what they could have done with a movie um and also with the Django history being revealed uh how do you how do you feel about that and how excited are you for the book of boba go ahead jake yeah uh so i think this is a lot better than what they could do for a movie to be honest outside of like trilogy movies i think the tv shows is the future of star wars storytelling because you can tell so much more in eight episodes than you can in a two hour and 30 minute movie um as i said earlier i was not a big boba fan before this i'm all in for book of boba now i'm super excited uh i really want to see what that's all about what he does with tatooine i'm gonna guess him and Cobb vance end up having a pretty big conflict at some point during it I loved his repainted armor in that episode, but I I know the two things I without a doubt would love to see is if one of the episodes of book of Boba was a flashback scene. And even if they didn't have uh, the actor in the armor, uh, have him in his old armor and maybe having him interacting with a live action Dangar and all the bounty hunters would be super awesome. And I really want to see, a scene between Boba and a clone now, like it would be sweet if him and Rex had an interaction. And I, I just, I'm a huge metal gear solid fan and I see a like solid snake, big boss interaction or one of those things. And I just, I want to see that happen. hundred percent. I, um, I am also a metal gear solid fan. So, you know, with Oscar Isaac rolling into that, that's even more Star Wars goodness, but this is not that. Um, yeah. So do you do you think that any do you think that Rex is actually still alive? You know, clones do have that um, that time time limit. He would be at like the edge of his lifespan. I feel like by Book of Boba. Go ahead, Moses. Oh, I was just going to ask. I forgot what the rule with the clones were. I know they were like accelerated speeding, but it was like permanent acceleration or just like they grow up fast and then they kind of go normal it's really kind of unknown i mean they they transferred them all right to stormtroopers um you know during the during the early civil war time in in an atsoka book so it was kind of i what happened in that book wasn't there kind of an explanation as to what was happening i i I really can't remember i don't remember i don't remember so shortly after the end of the Clone Wars, they started cycling out the clone troopers for um, regular soldiers for the stormtroopers. So a lot of the clone troopers were dismissed and yeah. uh, disbanded. Because there's a Rebels episode that goes into that. When they meet Rex, they're just like, yeah, who won that war? We don't know. The clones got disbanded and the droids got turned off. Like there was mm-hmm. a whole episode about that. So obviously Rex and his group looks look pretty old in Rebels. But I mean, what were they in as clones? They were in their mid twenties, maybe I guess as as warriors. So that would put them in their mid forties around Rebels, which I guess makes sense. They, he still looks, I would say, looks older than forty. All of them at that point, which means yeah, maybe they are accelerated. Yeah, another thing we'll probably see is in the Bad Batch as well. Get some answers. Oh yeah. Go ahead, Bob. 
I do love the the point. I forgot what episode it was where he makes the comment how he can't go into the base because they might recognize his voice or, or recognize his face or something like that. That was pretty funny. Um, I, I mean, I, I like Boba Fett. I think he's really a cool character. I don't think the movies did him justice. You definitely have to have more knowledge about him you know, with the other materials in order to really appreciate him as a character. I think that the book of Boba should focus primarily on flashbacks about what has happened to him you know, since the Sarlacc pit, how he got out of there and what he's been doing in the meantime to, I, I want to see what's, what's coming, you know, I, obviously what his future is, but I would like the, the, at least the first season to be heavily flashbacks and uh, kind of playing more to his, his mythology and his backstory and maybe even touching a little bit about his, uh, his dad and, and his kind of backstory as well. Yeah. I was going to ask how many of you guys are in favor of seeing more Django Fett? Not Casey. I know what your answer is usually. But. More Django. Oh, <laughs> actually, like back, like flashbacks all the way when he's a kid. Then, so with his dad, kind of thing. I, I, I guess it's up to interpretation. Um, like maybe would we see him? Would Boba maybe tell the story of what happened to Django and how he came up through? I don't know. I mean, there, there's always room for that in the comics, and they've told that story. I don't know if they've retold that story yet, but. Um, I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. With it being a clone of his dad, I could see him. You know, you show me a flashback where where Bo was walking in somewhere and somebody recognizes him. Have this kind of like, oh, I thought you were Django, and here's the story about your dad that maybe you didn't know or something like that. I could see that kind of being where you where you get more of him it isn't so much watching his story but hearing it. There was a book called Tales from Java's Palace, and they should <laughs> they should just kind of alter that to be that as Bob was telling stories from that throne. Go ahead, Moses. I will say that uh, I kind of agreed with Casey. Like I always liked Bubba cause he looked cool, but again, like I was just like, why is he so famous? And then I was super angry at Lucas because he's like, Oh, we're going to stick his dad in, but it's a clone. So it's exactly the same thing. And I was just like, I hated Django even more, but seeing Bubba, how badass he is seeing like, you know, I'm glad they used the same actor and just tying in all those details, you know, back to what Bob said about like all these rules and stuff, like they explain things. They're just like, Oh, here's the code. This belonged to my, you know, my, my, my father, my father was part of this, you know, part of that team and all that. And just seeing all that gave more importance to Bubba for me. And I kind of like, I think I'll respect Django a little more the next time I watch the prequels just because of that. Like, I feel like they, they, so yeah, it was definitely exciting to, to see, to see Bubba. And, and I'm glad they wrote, you know, they wrote it the way they did with, with explaining all the details about that. Cause yeah. And t- until now I was kind of with Casey on this one. I was like, eh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're all right. <laughs> Anybody have uh, praise for Boba and Django? <laughs> no, just... I mean, I mean, uh, Boba Fett was everything that he was talked about being. Everyone say, everyone would say for so long how BA he was, and he's the toughest character in Star Wars. And the only credence we had to that was any books or comics. And now we got to see the knee rockets, man. The knee rockets. <laughs> knee rockets. Two words. And that's why I was there. No, but it was just awesome to just see him lay waste to all those stormtroopers. And I think it added to his legend when, what, there were like three stormtroopers left that threw their weapons and ran away? Like, after he had just murdered a whole bunch of them? 
you know, they were like, oh, my God, uh, no thanks, and just bounced. You know, that, I think, made him even more awesome. And just seeing him really throw down in the ways it was always talked about. I mean, wow. What a great episode that was to just show him. Not a good director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I wonder, Robert Rodriguez I wonder watching like, him. We need to bring Bubba in. We, we got to bring a good director to kind of do him justice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Rodriguez was a shoe in. He or he was a replacement director. He oh, wasn't right. meant to. Re- he was not meant to direct that episode. Um, Fav called him because the original director dropped out. Well, well they... you know, you, you see a replacement. I say the force works in mystery. Right, right, exactly, right. exactly. Go ahead, right. Ruben. <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, I I love the prequels. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's not, that's not something that you hear a lot of people say all the time. But um, I do, I do love the prequels. Um, I respect I, that. You know, and uh, and Django, you know, he gave Obi Wan a hard time, man. He gave him a fight, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, he he met his match in Mace, you know, and and that was that was definitely a Jedi you did not want to see coming, you know, running towards you. Um, but, and Boba, I've never, I have this issue because like my girlfriend, my, 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 my girlfriend all the time, she's always like, Oh, don't, you know, like maybe I'll get you this wallet and she'll show me a wallet and it'll have the empire symbol. And I'm just like, nah, I'm good. You know? she's like, yeah, but it's star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, no, but it's the empire. Right. So like empires, bounty hunters, like, you know, those guys, those kind of characters for me, for star Wars, they're not my, they're not top tier. So Boba was never top tier for me, but to watch this character be the uh, the unstoppable force that they've said he was, you know, this whole time, um, and watching the actor put his um, his culture uh, and his nationality into the in, into Boba Fett into that character, the way that he would the way he fought, um, just the, even the moves that he was using, that's all based on his culture, you know. So it's one of those things where it's like. It's uh, it's it's beautiful justice that that we get to see this kind of thing, these kinds of things unfold for Star Wars because they were always meant to be, and it's always you know, and it's only right that this guy comes in and plays this character because, again, it's it's full circle. They could have gone out and got the kid, the young kid who played Boba Fett to be Boba Fett, and yeah, he explained the way his face, the scarring, whatever, but no, they went out and got um, I forget his name, uh, he's Moana's dad to me. Tamara Morrison. Tamara Aquaman's dad too. He's he's everybody's dad. He's he's everybody's dad. He's he's everybody's dad. Um, But yeah, no, he's uh, aces. Aces on Boba, and I'm and I'm and I'm looking forward to Book of Boba Fett. Like I, again, it's not the top thing because I think that's going to be more like seedy underground. You know, maybe quite possibly him taking over Tatooine in some sort of uh, uh, his own way. You know, We, we know that Star Wars is no. Uh, no stranger to gangs and and organizations, so I can see where Boba, you know, kind of creates his own Black Sun or or something like that. Um, but but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. Give me give me all the Star Wars, man. You know, That's a four episode it. thing, right? Yeah, event series so far. Yes. Oh, okay. go ahead. So it's an event series. Okay. Just really quick, while we're talking about Boba and uh, Robert Rodriguez got brought up. How cool was his storyboard thing that he used his son in a Boba mask and Stormtrooper toys to act out the scene for what he yeah, wanted to yeah. do? It's wild. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Seeing that on the uh, on the gallery, uh, that as a writer, a creator, a, a, a wannabe filmmaker, 
um, to see somebody like Robert Rodriguez go to those lengths uh, where he uses toys and things like like it really leaves you no excuse as an indie filmmaker uh, or creator to to be like oh I can't do the things I want to do no bullcrap <laughs> you know Robert Rodriguez literally pitched the whole episode and got what he wanted out of you know toys and dressing his kids up and throwing them around in the backyard you know what I'm saying so it's like to me it's like anything's possible absolutely that was that was definitely one of my favorite things being an action figure guy and and you know of course playing with my action figures on a kid in that way and even now i'll admit it but just <laughs> um but yeah i mean just everything that goes in i love i love those episodes because we love this show and just seeing everything that goes in behind the scenes is it just makes it that much that much more rich you know and and we have we've been kind of in a a drought i guess of 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 um i want to call special features you know for many years for star wars it was always in the vault or or just no, like Lucas didn't want to release them. And then when he did, it was very sparse. So just to see all of this stuff, um, what goes into it is, is amazing, especially, you know, with this new age of star Wars. Um, anybody else have something to say about the Boba? Good. All right. All right, Ruben, why don't you, uh, let's talk about, you're going to start us off with, uh, Luke Skywalker. He was the <laughs> Jedi. Um, he was the Jedi I wanted to show up uh, because I did feel that it would um, it would bridge that gap of all the fandoms. Yeah, we could have it Ezra. We could have it Mace Windu for some reason or another. But would you have rather seen somebody else? Um, and I know you're the last Jedi guy, and we all appreciate the last Jedi for what it is. But do you – how do you really – do you do you feel like this – Either you can say that it shut up a lot of these people that were like, we just want Luke to go crazy in Last Jedi, or did it just, you know, add to that experience for you? I don't, you know, we're not judgmental here, so go ahead. <laughs> um, again, like the prequels, I, I am a Last Jedi guy. I do I do think that it fits into the lore of Star Wars um, in, in a lot of really cool ways. Maybe not straight up, like round peg goes in round hole, but in a lot of different cool ways. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I love Friday mornings when Mandalorians come in because uh, number one, I don't I don't work till till ten in the morning, so I'm I, I can wake up and I can do my thing and and I can sit there and I can watch it, you know, uh, before I even get on social media. Um, so for me, like it's always an experience, and I knew that that this particular episode was going to be an experience because we were going to get somebody who was going to help that. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I thought it was going to be Ahsoka. It seemed like such an Ahsoka moment. Right. Where you knew, uh, you know, the, the, the dark troopers were going to close in on them. You knew Moff Gideon was going to best them in some way. So it always seems to me like that Ahsoka moment where, you, you know, she drops in from from like, you know, the air duct, you know, or, or pops up, you know, into the ship or whatever and saves the day. But as the episode progressed, I was like, Ahsoka's not coming, man. You know, like Ahsoka's definitely not coming. Um, and then I started to think, well, maybe, you know, it was Ezra, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and then even when I saw the X-Wing and she was like, oh, you know, Cara Dune was like, oh, just one X-Wing, we're saved. Uh, at that point, I was standing up on my bed, um, like literally, like standing up on my bed. And I had my hands up above my head. And um, and really what I should have done was record it. Um, but, you know, so the X-Wing pulls in. You don't see R2, which they were really smart about. Uh, because, you know, you always catch R2, you know, on the X-Wing, but they, they, they hid that. 
And then, you know, we get all these shots from behind and this hood. Um, and then it becomes very, very clear at the moment where you see the black glove. And you see the black glove and then he starts to walk and you see the, the, the color of the lightsaber and it's green. And there's no other, I mean, obviously, you know, lightsabers are lightsabers and there's all colors for every flavor, but we know who that was. Um, and it was just, it was amazing, man. And uh, to see that, that elevator door open and for him to like that lunge, that first lunge and block and then the lead in to the first strike um, you know, just everything to the moment where he pulls back that hood and we get to see young Luke for the first time. And yes, granted, you know, the CGI, whatever the case may be, wasn't maybe to everybody's liking, but to this nine-year-old kid who's wearing a Tatooine shirt right now, I know we're on podcast, but just to show my voice, like that moment, like I was crying, um, like like a baby my my girl came out of the shower she's like you're crying and i was like yes i'm crying um and uh you know to see him interact with grogu to see r2 roll into that moment and have that moment with grogu that 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 just was everything for me so yeah i mean of course we all wanted to see luke come back and defeat the first order you know we wanted to see him take on but that wasn't his it wasn't his story it was ray's story so you know that's why i'm i'm a, I'm a fan of thinking like this was just the little a little tease of what they can do. We saw it in Rogue One with 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 with, uh, with Tarkin. Um, it's you know we see deep fakes that that use Solo that put Han you know that put Harrison Ford's fake. They're only getting better with this stuff. So again, what does that you know? Everybody's like, oh, we can go get Sebastian Stan. Well, no, you know Mark Hamill's alive. Let's go ahead and use that technology and allow allow him to voice the character until he's gone. And then at that point we can find somebody to, you know, carry on his legacy. But I think that, that we're going to be seeing, you know, I don't think that's a one-time thing. Like, yes, it was a beautiful moment, but there's a story there, right? Like Luke and Grogu have a story. And from what we know, or from what I know from reading, um, we know that Grogu wasn't at the temple. You know what I'm saying? Like we know that, that when, when Ben did what he did and turned, Grogu wasn't there. So Again, there's a story there. So I don't think it's the last time we see young Luke. And I don't count out a young Han or a young Princess Leia either. I really don't. Go ahead, Colin. I personally didn't like it at first just because it was like, hey, you're not exploring new territory. You're you're kind of doing the fan service thing. And then, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, if you will. I, I ended up really loving it because we really needed to see this Luke. We needed to. We when we left him in in Return of the Jedi, he was on the ver he was a hopeful guy, you know, and he was on uh, on the verge of creating a new order. And even uh, in Battlefront Two, that that's canon, right? It is. Yeah. So even Battlefront 2, we play as him for a hot second and the way that he's portrayed in that actually kind of carries over to the way he's portrayed in this short snippet within the episode. So they're they're keeping a consistency that here's this hopeful young Jedi Knight now turned master who has to rebuild the Jedi Order. So we needed to see him in this moment. We need to see him forming this. We still see him in the same robes he was wearing and, you know, might look like a copy paste or at least the, the face was a copy paste. But it, it was needed so that we could see 
that difference between like what you were saying, Ruben, where he was at the start of the, his Jedi order and where he was at the end of his life in last Jedi. And I th- looking back on it, it was the perfect addition to have. And I thought it was a masterful touch, but I honestly hope it's the last time we see Luke. We are seeing so many new stories and new opportunities for characters who are established, but not as well as Luke has been over the course of four or five movies. I I think this should have just been a nice goodbye for him and a nice little homage at the end to say this is where he was here. We know where, where he's going to be. Let's bid him farewell in a fond way. Well said. Um, who, Jake, go ahead. Hey, if you put your hands up, just keep them up. That way I can uh, know what's up. So I, I will say that I had the opposite reaction of Colin in that when this first happened on screen, I was like, oh, my God, I know who this is. I had chills watching him destroy those uh, the God, why am I blanking on the name of the droids? The Death Troopers? Dark Troopers. Uh, Dark Troopers. And the one that he crushed was just, like, absolutely amazing. I think it might have been the deep fake face that finally was like, oh, something's wrong here. And then, like, after it, I was like, that scene is still absolutely amazing. But I'm like, I kind of do wish it had been another Jedi because we know that there's more out there. But, uh, Ruben, I know you've read the comics and you know this probably isn't true. I headcanon until they show complete opposite. Ben Solo killed Grogu. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Go ahead, Bob. So, I mean, for me, I, I appreciate it being Luke. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the scene. I think it does kind of pay a little uh, homage to him. It gives you that tie in between the two um, uh, trilogies. Uh, I think they did kind of miss an opportunity there, though, to uh, have it be another Jedi. Um, And the reason for that is because I feel like Disney understands what fans have known for a long time, which is the Skywalker story is great, but you have done an immaculate job building this entire universe, this this entire civilization. And there's so much more there that can be explored. And I think Disney's starting to tap into that and saying, you know, we're not going to focus so much on, on Skywalker. We're going to focus on Star Wars. And I think they missed an opportunity here to kind of plug in another Jedi that they could build off of. I mean, what I would have liked to have seen happen is, okay, the Jedi that have survived Order 66 and have now maybe started coming out of hiding now that the Empire has fallen and they've, they've got wind of that. You start seeing them kind of come back together. Maybe one of them, you know, gets the the beacon from Groku and goes and picks him up on on their way to go meet Luke or whatever. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't mind it being Luke. I, I enjoyed it. I definitely had my moment of oh my god, I know who this is. I know who this is. Um, but in retrospect, I think they missed an opportunity to really kind of shine the light on somebody else. Go ahead, Rock. Um, I I think the only person that made any sense to be there was Luke. I mean, based on knowing he was establishing a temple, well, we knew that from The Last Jedi. We knew the temple was around for quite a while before Ben did what he did. But I think if it, it would, to me, I was sold on it being Ezra if Ahsoka would have come with them. Then I would have been like, okay, this is part of Ahsoka's story too, right? Because she's trying to find Ezra. When I knew Ahsoka wasn't going with them, I was like, all right, so Ezra's off the table completely. It's got to be Luke. It's the only one that makes 
any sense. I mean, maybe it could have been another Jedi that was studying at Luke's temple that like came in Luke's stead. Sure, I could see that too. Um, but I think the missed opportunity came from the fact that a new actor wasn't introduced as as Luke Skywalker. And I, I mean, I'm pretty sold on Sebastian Stan. I don't know how many of you are, but I think that would have been a great time to introduce him if we see the character again. I don't want a Luke show. I don't want a show about Luke. I want a show where Luke appears in it here and there. And and for that to be a CGI Hamill every time. Listen, I wish Hamill was old enough or young enough to play Luke. Obviously, that's who I would want. I wouldn't want anyone else. But he's an old guy now. And then really the last thing I'm going to say is I'm so sick and tired of the, the sequel hating and the people that it's going to erase the se- – no, it's not. The Last Jedi was Mark Hamill's best performance as Luke Skywalker, period. This just enriched that part even more by showing where he was at his apex, at his prime, to where he fell. It made it sadder, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to feel. That's what their job is as actors, is to make us feel things. And and I felt sadder for Luke cutting himself off from the Force after seeing him just lay waste to those dark troopers like they were freaking ragdolls. So... Yeah, loved Luke being there. Missed opportunity with the actor. I didn't mind the CGI, but they could have introduced someone new. Go ahead, Moses, and then Jake. Basically, everything Rockwood just said, I, I do think it was a missed opportunity, but I love that they did bring in Hamill. I mean, it, it, he's still around, and, and it was a good kind of ode to him. Um, I want to also agree with Colin that I really... I, I, like, part of me doesn't want to see Luke again. Like, I don't want him to get played out, uh, uh, you know, being used, especially not on this show. But also part of me would love to see a Sebastian Stan, Donald Glover, Luke and Lando searching for things like he mentions, you know, in the movie. Like that would have been its own. It's like it's a it has sh- the word show written all over it. Um, I just wanted to say a side note with all the things, the jokes we made about Grogu. Uh, there's this funny meme where like someone's edited uh, Kylos in a classroom. Have you guys seen it next to Grogu? And Kylo's like, I like you, Grogu. Don't come to, don't come to school tomorrow. <laughs> so that's what happens there. That's canon. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, I just wanted to say Rocco reminded me, uh, you know, in saying that it wasn't Ezra. I did originally think that Ahsoka might've been using Grogu to try to lure Ezra out of yeah. hiding. Yes. I, I definitely did yeah. think that at one point. So exactly. And that makes complete sense. And like I said, if Ahsoka was there, I was sold on Ezra. But my one issue with that was, and you know, Filoni is Filoni and he specifically words this. He goes, Ahsoka and Sabine's story will continue. If Ezra comes back now, like what happened to that story? You know? And so, I, I, I thought you, they, they were going to do that and use that to bring Ezra, but I was just like, eh, I think he has a story. He, he, he has this story. He knows exactly where Ahsoka and Sabine go. He knows where Ezra is. Filoni has the story. He just hasn't sat down to tell us yet, and he's about to. I'm going to move over to Darth Bowker because I am really interested in what he has to say being – friends with him for a very, very long time and knowing that Luke Skywalker is 
his favorite character. So why don't you roll that out? I mean, you guys have said it all for for the most part. Um, I guess the only thing, it's another 25 years until we see him in, you know, uh, Force Awakens. So while I don't want to see it get played out, to see the Luke and Lando show would be amazing for sure. These little hints here and there, um, I guess are okay. I mean, my biggest problem is, is that Star Wars likes to keep getting smaller. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need Mace Windu to, to be Lando's father. You know what I mean? Like, I hate these things so much because of the fact that there's an entire galaxy out there. Um, so I would like them to quit putting us in a hole, which is, and even in the High Republic, which is very good, that book, there's still little things where I'm just like, okay, I get it. I know you got to make that reference because 300 years later, I'm going to go, oh, I know the the Santeca clan. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Thank you for throwing that in there, Charles Soule. But anyway, <laughs> Luke, honestly, seeing him, I cried. I cried like a little baby. Seeing R2, I cried even harder. And the reason why is because I, you guys can justify The Last Jedi to me up the ass as much as you want, but you did not see that interaction. And for me, to see those two best friends that went through so much together and 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 be a person of dust, R2, you know, I consider him a person, a dusty shell against a wall, I am sorry, but that was uncalled for as a Star Wars fan. And that broke my heart, to be quite honest, when I watched that scene. And to see those two being together for as friends again, probably for the last time we'll ever see it like that, that that did it. To me, that was everything and and um whatever. So everything else you guys, you know, you guys made great points and I agree with, but to see those two together was what made more sense to me than anything else. And to me that was like, oh, Star Wars, R2. Okay. Thanks, guys. Are you more okay with The Last Jedi now, though? No, I'm no, I'm it's more like, this you? is stupid. You you did it. You did it just to do it. You did it. it. Like I agree with Rocco. We got the best performance of Mark Hamill out of anything that he's ever done, Guyver included. And I think like what they did to him, I understand everyone's rationale behind it. I just need to see it. Like if in those 25 years, I really need to see this man get broken because what he did to his his nephew to me would have been like, I have to get him back. That's still the Luke for me. I have to redeem myself and get Ben back. But this is a whole nother podcast. So I'm going to shut up. I'll tell you what broke him was the death of Grogu at the hands of Ben Solo. That's what broke him. <laughs> it is. I want to I want to add opened though, up like, a bunch of windows. You know, I want to add though, like it's it's difficult for us to imagine not seeing other Lego, uh, seeing these legacy characters again, right? Like we we don't want them to get played out, but we're, they're about to play in a sandbox that is literally the hotbed of like the apex, right? The the the, the word that was used earlier for Luke, for Leia, for Han. Like a lot of important things happened in this era. So, you know, to go through Ahsoka, Rangers of the Republic, uh, The Acolyte, uh, all of these shows that are going to touch upon, you know, a different era within these 25, 30 years. 
Um, you know, like I said, I don't think it's the last time that we see them. And I think, you know, for us to say, okay, you know, don't, don't use them, you know, go outside that box. It's tough because of that time era, you know? Um, and again, with high Republic, like Casey was talking about, you know, just to make that, that reference complete is the, you know, they, they, they lean heavy on, on those references because we, we can make them, you know, and now that they're, now they want to establish that through line backwards. So I think, you know, it's it's going to be difficult. We're going to get a lot of sweetness and we're going to get a lot, of, a lot of great stuff. But I think as Star Wars fans, we're also going to get a lot of stuff that we're going to look at and say, yeah, that's byproduct for like, you know, the noobs, noobs, you know, like we don't we didn't need that. You know, we don't we don't necessarily need that. Yes. Before I go to you, Rocco, um, just quick, Ruben, the accolade is High Republic. It's at the end of the High Republic, 100 years after what we're reading. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, All right. Not so, yeah. Republic. I don't. I don't like to correct people a lot, but that yeah. that alone makes me really excited for High Republic and and how much they're really tackling. But mm-hmm. I've always been a big fan of New Republic time because that is what the EU really built. So I'm I'm really excited to see that. Um, go ahead, Rocco. Real quick, I just got to take a tally. I know, Ruben, you said you cried when you saw Luke. Casey, you said you cried when you saw Luke. I was doing a mixture of like gasping for air and crying. <laughs> As soon as I saw the X-Wing, who else had a crazy emotional response when they saw them? I um, I did. I did and uh, I had the same thing. I mean, it was different than when I saw Bubba because when, when the Slave 1 came in, it was more like the Home Alone face. I was uh, like, oh, they're going uh, there. I heard the sound. I'm like, <gasps> and then just everything just went from there. But the Luke thing for me was I, I it was my, that was my expectation. And for it to happen... I was just, I did cry. I mean, I don't ever, you oh, know, yeah. I don't, I, I always admit that. I, I have no problem with that. And it's just like, for me, and I've said that to you guys, it's like, at that point, they had basically checked off every box that I needed to see for Star Wars. There's a lot of other things, um, like Ahsoka, Ahsoka meeting Luke and, and so forth. But Boba and then Luke doing what he did, that basically said, I felt kind of complete after that episode. <laughs> Right on. Go ahead, Moses. Yeah, I, I mean, I, de- I definitely teared up, especially when I saw that X-wing. Because to me, like, he was always—I remember even re- in Return, you know, like he had—it was his X-wing. He was part of the rebellion, but he's like, "I'm going to meet you guys later. I got to go do something." <laughs> and so, like, as soon as I saw the X-wing, I was like, <gasps> and Sonya was sitting next to me, and she's like, "What?" And I was just like all teary. I was just like, "It's Luke." She's like, "How do you know?" I was like. He has his, he's like, he's the only one who kind of flies around on his own in his X-Wing. Um, and it just also reminded me that he is part of the New Republic because he was part of Re- the Rebellion, which as we're talking about follow-ups, we are most likely, I mean, it would make sense if they put him in a show about the Rangers flying X-Wings of the New Republic. So I wouldn't be surprised, of course he's doing his own thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know, he has a cameo there. I hope not. I, I, I hope if we do see him again, it's his own show with Lando. Um, but, I mean, he's part of that world. He's part of that timeline. Not to see him at the same time. And so it's like, where is he then? You know, it brings up the other question, like, okay, now you're kind of going out of your way to not show him. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, the only other thing I had, because us going back and forth talking about Luke Skywalker and all this made me really think, like, one of the things I kind of expected out of that scene was like someone to say his name when he came in, like someone to recognize him and be like, oh, my God, Luke Skywalker, 
you know, maybe Cara Dune would have said it. And to like kind of go over to Bo and have her face kind of say something like Skywalker. I know that name like because he does have these relationships now to these other characters through his father. I don't think Bo ever made met uh, Anakin, though. Because those stories were strictly Obi Wan. He had Anakin wasn't even in those. I don't remember. Yeah, but Je- yeah. But, Je- but General Skywalker was 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 I well know, known. I mean, it's a huge war. I mean, can you um, you you know you live in this country? Can you even name like a handful of generals of our country right now? And this is like a multi you know multi planet. Well, what I will say is that none of our generals are wielding one of the sabers. <laughs> so if, if they were, I would probably be more into yeah, it. True. Um, um, uh, what I will say, though, in, 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 in a point of recognition for Luke and that scene is Moff Gideon's face. Is if you go watch, if you go back and watch that, 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 that episode and you watch Moff Gideon's reaction through, through that whole moment, he was terrified. He was like soiling his pants. He know, knew Luke, like, right? So, so I think like in that, like I think that that was a very like cool way of being. Oh my God, it's Luke Skywalker within the galaxy, where it's like some people see it as like like oh wow, my savior, but he saw it as like death was walking through that door, you know, like Vader. You know, I love that whole thing on the internet where they're comparing Vader's hall scene in Rogue One and his movements to to Luke and what he does. Um, in, in, in the episode uh, when he comes out of the elevator. Like, those, those are the things that I think right now, like, for me, he, he, we make the comparisons to, to, to running as a well-oiled machine. I think Star Wars right now is, is starting to click on, on all cylinders in a lot of, in a lot of different ways. Um, and, and I think that this season in particular brought a lot of fans back. A lot of people who were upset with, their fran- with the franchise for one reason or the other. Um, really embraced season two of The Mandalorian. So I think, it, you know, it, 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 it served as a vehicle to like not only further the, and open up the galaxy, but to heal the fandom. I think that's really well said, Ruben. Uh, and I think we can all agree with that yeah. being, you know, we're all Star Wars fans and there's a lot of people out there that use their fandom in the wrong way. And I think that the more you're open with um, change and accepting, you know, that, it's not just about your fandom. It's about the overall fandom. It's a huge fan base. It's probably one of the biggest ones in the world. And um, for everybody to embrace that and to come together over this show, you know, it's, it's great because I, I really thought that I really was, I was sad. I was sad. And I know there's a lot of stuff out there that's influencing the negative, the dark side of things, but I was sad to see so many people not, not enjoying Star Wars together. And um, that really changed in these last two years. And I think that's a really important thing to to bring up. So last question. I want you guys to rate this season on a scale of 1 to 10. And I want to hear a little bit of speculation about what you would like to see. And let's start with Rocco. Um, what we'd like to see in Mando season three or what we'd like to see in the TV universe as a whole? like Season three. Let's, okay. let's, let's stay. Yeah, let's stay with Mando <laughs> works for me. Um, as for a rating out of a one to 10, I give it an 11 and rip the knob off. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, it, it, it exceeded all expectations I had, um, for this season, for the show. Um, everything was handled with such great care. 
I'm sure nothing's perfect. There were little things here and there that I would change because, you know, I'm such a I'm a filmmaker. I know everything, you know. I, I I mean, as a fan, things that sure I would want to see differently, but I mean that was very few and far between. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, as for speculation for season three, um, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Grogu. Um, I think that we're going to see Mandalore. I think we're going to see what's left of Mandalore. I think we're going to see like House Ren or Clan Ren and Clan. You know what's left of them, Clan Vizsla. I think Mando's going to get a a real quick lesson on Mandalorian, you know, history outside of what he knows with the watch. Um, I think the Darksaber is going to be the the main part of this. I think that's the direction they're going to go. Someone said it earlier because, I mean, we're not going to see so much Grogu, so they have to have some type of linchpin that's going to kind of progress the plot line. And we really opened up a can of worms with that whole Darksaber controversy i see a lot of that um and then maybe who knows maybe we'll get a little glimpse of grogu at the temple training you know i i if they do go that route i personally hope we don't see a lot of it um i would like to see that in some type of separate show if so um but i i just i want the story to really as it has been uh closely following our uh, our mandalorian din what about you bob so i am i am a notoriously difficult grader um, I will say that um, I originally had down in my paper that I gave this season a solid seven, which was a step up from the six that I rated season one. Um, however, in talking with you guys and kind of getting a better perspective on some of the small nuances that I might have missed, um, I, I'm going to have to bump it up to at least an eight. Uh, and with that being said, eight eight's huge for me because, uh, like I said, I am a very hard grader when it comes to uh, any sort of genre stuff. Um, moving forward, I think... I, I agree with Rocco. You're going to see a ton of Mandalore. Um, they're going to dive much more into the Mandalorian culture and background. I think ultimately what you, you want to see is 10 years from now when somebody wants to know about Mandalorians, you can just point them to the TV show and say, you know, you get all your knowledge right from there. So I think you have to have a season that's going to be rich into that culture uh, to kind of fill in the blanks that maybe we're missing. I, I think you got to see a major death. Some member of his of his little team that he's put together has to die, um, just to kind of really drive home some sort of passion Probably with him. Gina <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> with with the cancer culture. Um, oh God! I think I think what I also would love to see is no Groku um, majority of the season, maybe even the whole season, and either at the end of season three or maybe even you know towards the middle to end of season four they really play heavy on the Jedi versus Mandalorian lore and, and, and fight that they have um, culturally. And eventually you see um, Din and Groku on opposite sides of some sort of, you know, clash. Um, I think that would be a really cool kind of full circle. uh, Where do the alliances lie type type deal. So, um, but who knows? Go ahead, Colin. So, Bob, I'm liking you more and more as you go because I thought I was the cantankerous one here um, for my opinions. Um, I, I'm going to be I'm going to be along the, the same line here. I I'm was thinking about an eight for this season. I thought the first season was about a solid seven um, this season, though. You know, the more I think about it, the more I, I have to give it an eight and a half only because I, I 
I, I mean, the, the lore stuff is great. Everything about it from a fandom perspective that made me feel like that kid that's, you know, 12 years old playing sick just so I can watch all the Star Wars movies at home. Loved everything about this season. It's just, you know, you had that one really weird travel episode right at the beginning of the season just kind of took the air out of the sails that you get from the first one. And then there's just some weird cinematic inconsistencies that always drive me nuts as a media watcher. It's just like, wait, why, how, how many stormtroopers are fitting in those cars? Wait, why is there another car? And how are there, how is there yet another squad coming out of that same car? Um, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff always irks me. So I, that's just me. So that's why I'm giving it an eight and a half out of 10. Um, what I want to see from next season is it establishing its own lore that becomes hugely canon in the Star Wars universe that is not playing off of previous series. I mean, we've we spent a lot of time this season getting to know characters from previous shows like, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels. And we brought in Luke Skywalker. You know, we've we've bridged a lot of gaps to bring in a lot of fans to this series and to the new Disney way of Star Wars. I want to see Filoni and Favreau take full reins and say this is going to be something huge and new in Star Wars that's going to change the universe as you know it, and it's only going to be referenced through this show, and I want to see them have the balls to do it. Let me ask you a question, Colin, being a KOTOR player, um, what about all that lore that was still not really established canon? There's so much Mandalorian lore in those games as well. Um, would you want to see something like kind of a direct adaptation of that? Um, I, it's tough because we don't know. Um, but how how would you like to see them handle that stuff? Because it is, it, it is pretty deep. Well, it, they they kind of have something like that already. They they have the dark saber in here, whereas in the Kotor series, it was the Mandalore armor itself that was the thing that made you the Mandalore, made you the the leader of the Mandalorians. So we kind of have that version of it, um, you know. And then this brings us back to uh, you know what was what was said before, which was you know, hey, what about the war between? the the jedi and the mandalorians you know there that was always a a clash but you know that's just part of the lore whether it be kotor or it be clone wars rebels so uh, i mean it's really in my opinion not much that you can draw from kotor that hasn't already been either homaged or brought into the current canon as written so Maybe there's maybe there's uh, Mandalore armor. Maybe they make his beautiful shiny Beskar the Mandalore armor since he is now technically the Mandalore. I don't know. That would that would be a cool homage to it at this point. Nice. What about you, Casey? I'm uh, you know, I really don't want to see much more of this kind of back ended. Um, how do you say that? What do they call it? Back alley pilots. You know what I mean? Hey, here's Ahsoka. Here's her show. Yeah, here's those pilots. backdoor pilots. You know, like here's those uh, fighter pilots. Guess what? They got a show too. Like, I get it. I totally do. Obviously, I'm a huge Ahsoka fan. I want to see her show. I love the episode, the way they introduced her. I get it. But like, let's go off. 
you know, let's see more Mandalore. Uh, what Bob said um, about the Jedi versus Mandalore and then Grogu versus Din. Like, that's insane. I would, that would be cool, honestly. It'd, it'd be so crazy. <laughs> I don't know why they would do that, but it would be crazy to see. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really just want to see more of his story or I think Moses said it before, or maybe it was Jake. Like, it's not just the, the Mandalorian is the name. He is a Mandalorian, but it's all about, you know, it's, it is Mandalorians. Even the book of Boba is a book off of the Mandalorian Bible or whatever the hell you want to call it. So um, just keep expanding that, bring back Bo-Katan. Let's explore this dark saber stuff. Show Sabine, maybe, you know what I mean? Um, Where did the rest of his friends go that didn't die? Like, where's the armor? Like, let's, so when Colin says, we didn't get much of a journey. His journey really is completely enwrapped inside Grogu. His personal journey as a character as to where he is going from point A to point B, we haven't seen. And I will agree with that statement. So, um, you know, if I had to go and look at it with like a more discerning eye, I'll give it an eight. If I looked at it as a fanboy who cried for the first time watching Star Wars since that Darth Vader scene... It's a 10 or 11, you know what I mean? But, like, as a real, like, let's see where the show is going to go. Then, you know, let's go. All right, I'm done. <laughs> go ahead, Moses. Um, yeah, I'll give it an 8. Uh, I think, I mean, it was excellent. I loved every single thing about it. Rewatching it again, I had no complaints. But, you know, there's other Star Wars things that I love more. And if I'm going to give those a 9 or a 10, i got to give this one an 8, like, comparatively. Um, I agree with, you know, what, what was said and exactly how Casey said it too. So far, we kind of had, um, it, it was Grogu's story. It was, it was Mando taking Grogu around and, you know, now we might have a chance to actually see, you know, Din, Din's character grow and, and evolve. Um, and if you look at it from that perspective, everything that's happened between both season one and season two, all the people he's met, all the introductions, are almost like a template for them to be like, okay, now he's met them, you know, he's met Bo and he's met Bubba and he's learned more about his culture. And now, you know, he can make his own decisions and decide to walk his own path kind of thing. Um, yeah, I don't expect Grogu to be in the next season, maybe as a finale kind of thing. Um, I really hope they just delve into man, you know, the Mandalore culture and and lore and grow from there. I feel like it, it, it's going to have an opposite grow. Obviously, while they haven't really an opposite direction, while they haven't really spoken too much about the past, they have reference that you know they've made it canon that Mandalore used to be you know against the Jedi. Um, I feel like ref- through small references. That can't be the future because we know Mandalore still around. Their their flag was at Maz's place. Um, there's no mention that you know the Mandalores were pissed at Luke or whatever he was doing. So obviously they can't be at war. And realistically, even through what Filoni has written, um, Bo was friends with Obi Wan. I mean, Obi kind of helped her near the end, and while she was with the Death Watch. She, she kind of turned to the good side to take over her sister's place. You know what I mean? And then she was with the good guys when she was with Sabine and she's friends with Ahsoka. So I don't think there's any 
anything there that's going to be like, okay, now they can explore Mandalore to be the new enemy of the Jedi again. Um, but what they can do is still expand on Mandalore re-becoming a great nation or a great race or great whatever they are. Um, whether they become a warrior race again or not, I mean, that can be open. They're still badass. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I really hope this season is just like, explores everything about the dark saber and everything about like getting that planet back and if if the empire is still has its fingers here and there then for all we know there's another faction of the empire still trying to control that so they still can have an enemy and something to fight while they try to complete that you know despite them having the dark saber and obviously um what's his name had to he wasn't the top you know i'm having a brain freeze right now who had the dark saber um yeah like he couldn't have been the top of the line and you know there was that there were there was the the little rumors of is is thrawn the one on top and i don't think so i think thrawn's ahsoka story and and he's off on his own which means someone else is still in charge obviously the whole snoke situation the whole palpatine the whole you know first order something is going on and this is where you can bring, you know, tie in more of Mandalore, Mandalore's kind of enemy, what they have to fight, what they have to overcome. So I really hope we get to see some more of that. And while I like the Book of Bubba idea of its own little thing, and I, I do think it's going to be more of a crime story, I really hope they can tie that together too. Like Bubba's part of it. He's whether he's just wearing the armor because he got it from someone from his dad because his dad was part of Death Watch. You know, there are connections there and it'd be cool to see how, you know, it's involved. And even through Clone Wars, you know, Maul took over Mandalore. He had the Darksaber. He took over Red Sun. He, he he was like like a three, you know, three times crime lord leader. So a, the, the crime story has always been connected to the Mandalorian story in its own way. So I, I really feel, you know, hope they can play off that. And I know we were talking about all these rumors of Robert Downey Jr. coming into the Mandalorian show. You know, it'd be cool if he was like some crime lord. You know what I mean? Or even if he was a Vizsla, you know, just like someone that, that can be like the, the, the main antithesis to what's going on. But I don't know. It'll be it, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be good with Thelone involved. <laughs> Have faith. All right, Jake. Uh so I'm apparently a lenient grader because I was going to give this a nine out of 10, uh, you know, overall. Um, as for next season, I definitely want to see like the siege of Mandalore, them trying to take Mandalore back because they did mention they were trying to steal that ship to use in getting Mandalore back. Uh, I also want to see Din have to confront his changing views and the watch again. We know the armorers out there. And I actually think uh, it'd be really interesting to see the armorer and bow have to fight for like Din's almost for his soul in a way. Like they are fighting for which way he will go in the future of Mandalore. That's a good one too. I yeah, all these all these Mandalorians coming together, it's, something's going to happen. They don't always agree, right? So I'm very excited for that. Ruben, close us out. Well, um... You know, uh, like my boy in Varsity Blue said one time, a 10. I give it a 10. Okay. Um, and, uh, Great and, reference. And, and I do, and, and I do it, and I, and I do it, um, 
And I do it because, again, I, I'm, I'm looking at it as a whole. Um, these guys are shooting in a volume, uh, new technology. They're, they're changing the game uh, as, as they go, right? The, just the audacity that it takes to make this show alone requires a 10, okay? So, um, and then, you know, yes, we can, we can complain about, you know, certain things. Yes, I, I, I thought it was ridiculous, too. Uh, Colin, that like 30 stormtroopers came out of that one shuttle. Um, but I thought it was also very uh, 80s, right? Like there was almost like an 80s action movie vibe to it. Or like if you watch like American Ninja, like, you know, it was like that one dude, he was fighting in the jungle and there was like, you know, ninjas just kept coming. You know what I'm saying? Like they, 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 just, they were never ending ninja. So, it's, so to me, it's like th those are the things that I let go of when I'm watching Star Wars. Um, and then again, I appreciate just like the, the future, the technology that they're using, how, what they're doing and what that means for television, um, and, and movie making. Uh, I think they're, they're just like George did. John is now changing the game, you know, um, everything he learned bringing in from the jungle book and, 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 and going forward, like he's just, you know, honestly, I, I just I have so much admiration for him. I watch chef all the time just because like, I want more Jean Favreau. Um, and I watch Chef like I've been watching it like once a month just because he, I, I want to hang out with him a little bit. Um, so I do. I, I really do love this show. In terms of um, of season three, um, I have this Game of Thrones theory, you know, where it's um, where I feel like this show is going to flip on its ear in terms of Mandalore and what what it's going to take to reestablish them as a culture, as as a race. Um, and as a and as a player um, in the in the galaxy proper, as uh, as Jake likes to say, um, and I think that there's a lot of cool things that you can do with that in terms of different houses. We are Mandalore already lends itself to that kind of Game of Thrones fantasy esque kind of setup where everything has a hierarchy, um, and not every family is viewed the same way, uh, you know, kind of like the Starks are, are you know, are the Catans or, or, or the Vizlas or, 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 or whatever, any other family in, uh, you know, the, you know in, in, in Game of Thrones. I think that it, it lends itself to that kind of storytelling. Um, so that would be interesting. And then uh, the reason why I love that, my little theory, is because it also is kind of backed up in, in the High Republic. Like reading, reading High Republic, you almost get that Game of Thrones feel if you've read some of the Game of Thrones books, the way it kind of hops from, you know, family to person or person to, to situation. Um, like I thought it was, it was, uh, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. So I hope we get to see that. And if Book of Boba is a miniseries, then I think it better serves that character to go backwards than to establish some sort of crime syndicate because, you know, the, the story then becomes for Boba um how he got there not so much about where he's going i love that game of thrones reference um and i think that's a really important thing going into this that when you look at star wars say compared to a lot of sci-fi it is really it is fantasy it's more fantasy based than than star trek Battlestar, anything it is it takes that sci-fi element but it adds that medieval fantasy aspect to it and that's why i think it touches so many different you know people in that regard that it it, it just it's it's a few different genres in one and um that i would love to see something like that happen in season three 
Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I just want to add one last little thing, you know, to what you just said is I never understood that as uh, as just a, a, a lover of sci-fi and fantasy and and all that. I never understood the 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 the, the separation between Star Trek fan and Star Wars fan. I was like, I never really got it. Um, but you know, I heard Stacey Abrams talk about Star Trek and like what it means to be a Trekkie and what it means to kind of like really follow that that math and that science that Star Trek is about, that Star Wars kind of just throws out the window. You know what I'm saying? Physics, parsec, we still don't even know what a really what a parsec is. We don't know if it's a time measurement or a distance measurement. And at times it's kind of both. So, and that makes no mathematical sense. So again, like uh, to that point, um, yes, yeah, Star Wars is, it, it does lend itself to that fantasy realm a lot more than it does to actual science. Moses? I thought it was interesting that because I have read the Game of Thrones books and I never actually made that comparison, but that was really an interesting thing because, in fact, in Rebels, the few episodes that had to do with Sabine and all that, it was all about the clans. It was all yep. about like what clan is higher up. So the fact that you like compared that to Game of Thrones is excellent. Like, yeah, that would be cool to see that. In, in but sorry, Jake, I know you had your hand up, too. Yeah, uh, also just a quick thing. I really don't know if I want it to be like Game of Thrones. I don't want some random character to become the King of Mandalore because he has a good story. Uh, no, no, thank you. I'm so glad D&D did not get to touch Star Wars at all. And that's what I was going to say. It's Favreau and Filoni. They'll, 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 they'll do they'll the do things the that they need to do to make that story right. You know, We're not going to go into how horrible Game of Thrones ended. But just the overall comparison of just like hierarchies and families, um, you know, going around that round table and kind of trying to uh, break the wheel, so to speak, um, and, and start something new, uh, I think really lends itself to, to Mandalorian culture. So I think, you know, and then just the irony that, you know, it's uh, it, Din is who he is and he played who he played in Game of Thrones. Uh, all of those things that they kind of match up well. Hundred percent, and um, you know, with with Fav and, and Filoni, they've they've already given us so much, and uh, to look back at this point is it's it's not even worth it because we're moving in the right direction, and I can't wait until December twenty fifth next year. It'll be a great holiday present, and um, I'm pumped, and we're all pumped. So uh, everyone, thank you for joining us, joining me today, Bob. Thank you for. Uh, coming on the show and uh, being a part of the Star Warriors. Uh, hope hope you can come back again and uh, we can geek out. Uh, everyone, you can find Star Warriors on don'tforgettotell.com. Uh, it is hosted there and everywhere you download your uh, podcasts. It is under Tell I Talk Podcast Network. So look for that if you're uh, just joining us for the first time. Uh, thanks again, guys. And uh, if anybody else has anything else to say, last last word, Bob. I just want to give one more plug. A gutsy Media Podcast. We just launched season two. I don't know when this episode is dropping, um, but we are planning a big winter giveaway. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, thanks, guys, so much for letting me be a part of your world for a little while. You're Perfect. welcome anytime. Absolutely. Yay. All right, everyone. Well, thanks again. And for everyone out there, may the force be with you.